Hello and welcome to our expert opinion podcast in association with Explore Lifestyle. My name is Taylor Johnson, founder of Explore Lifestyle, and joining me will be a variety of industry experts as well as plenty of everyday fitness lovers to give us an insight into the actual barriers that are stopping you achieve your goals. We'll be delving into four key areas, exercise, nutrition, mental health and lifestyle, and exploring how to achieve these all whilst living a happy and healthy life. So sit back and let us give you our expert opinion. Welcome back to the Our Expert Opinion podcast. Today we are joined by a very special guest, ex-semi-pro footballer, ex-National League basketball player and with over 15 years experience in the fitness industry. Welcome Omar Kofi, how are you? I'm very well, thank you Taylor, how are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Obviously we're here today on the opening of Energy Fitness in Wokenham. Our good friend Adam is is sort of opening this gym. Um, so you came came a long way to come and get this done. Um, feeling tired this morning, you feeling alright? I'm knackered, I'm actually knackered. It's been a hard day of shooting. Yeah. It's not even like 10 o'clock yet, so boy, very tired. Yeah, so uh, obviously a lot of work goes into these fitness shoots that, that we've done. Obviously we've done a couple with Explore and um, another one today with Energy, so yeah, a lot goes into these. Um, so yeah, obviously I'm sure Adam's very grateful for for uh, you coming down. So obviously with fitness, 15 years experience, that's, that's a lot of experience. How did it all start? So take us through the journey. Uh... So funnily enough, I remember actually my dad took me to um, a local gym when I was 13 and I think I went in there once, saw a whole bunch of big guys and said, I ain't coming here for this ever again. I ran away, never came back. Uh, But then when I hit 18, um, at that point I was still playing basketball for what was then the Milton Keynes Lions uh, Academy team. Um, Had to bulk up quite a lot. Um, The idea was to do uni the three years there come back and join the first team once I graduated. Um, so I was just all focused on just training, building up my physical strength. Because um, basketball's a demanding game. Everybody knows that. It's um, very physically demanding. You've got to get up and down the court. Um, so I spent a lot of time training that. Um, a lot of sort of plyometrics work. A lot of functional training over the years. And that's where my sort of expertise kind of lies, I guess. Um, during that time of university, I was doing sports development and coaching as well. So I was able to, you know, enhance my knowledge quite a lot through that course. Um, carried on playing ball, played for the uni team, the first team, played National League as well. Um, when I went back to the Lions, um, played for their second team for a few months and then ended up moving to Reddit, which is where I was with you guys. Yeah. Um, started working in the gym there actually then switched to football at 24. What, what sort of motivated you to do the switch? Because there was no team here, there was no basketball team here. So you had the Redden Rockets, um, and at that point the, there were talks of the MK Lions moving to London to play the Copper Box. And at that point I think my love for basketball kind of faded, and I, wasn't, I didn't have that same intensity, same commitment. Uh, so there was no way with my ability level, because I was a good player, but I relied a lot on my physicality, my strength, my sort of, yeah, my physical attributes to get me through. So at that point where I wasn't really taking it too seriously anymore, and there was no team here, I wasn't going to travel back to Milton Keynes to play, 
and I certainly wasn't going to travel from Reading to London to go and play. So it was either play for the Rockets or try something I've always wanted to do, which is play football. Um, so I ended up leaving basketball, joining Woodley United, um, then started, I went over to Bracknell, went back to Woodley, went back to Bracknell, went to Aldermaston. So it's kind of, I've always been that kind of journeyman football player. Yeah. Um, but it was always something I wanted to do. I wanted to, I wanted to play at a high level. I wanted to be, I wanted to see what success looked like for me. And I had some incredible memories, um, great achievements in my time of football. So yeah, it was one of those things um, I wanted to do and I'm glad I did it. So yeah. Foot, football at that level, obviously, we both played at similar sort of standards and you, you mentioned how you kind of bounce back and forth from teams. <laughs> do you find it's quite hard to stick and settle at that level? I think yes and a lot of it comes down to the, the sort of manager you're playing under, uh, the clubs you're at, their ambition and I think for me the added extra was that because a lot of players like yourself have come through academies, you kind of learned a certain way of playing that suits your play style. Mm -hmm. Now me at 24, I'd never played academy football, I'd never, I played youth football, obviously Milton Keynes, like I think everybody did, but nothing to nothing to speak to. Mm -hmm. So coming in at 24, I remember when I turned up at Bracknell for pre-season, the manager turned around to me and was like, oh, you're big, can you hold the ball up? I'm like, yeah. I don't know what the hell that meant. Yeah. <laughs> so like, like, isn't that a handball? Like, yeah, yeah. I, I play basketball, I can shoot a bit. Um, so when he said that, I'm like, I don't know what that means, I'm just gonna run around a bit and see what happens. And uh, played pre-season with them. And we had, that was my first exposure to the FA Cup as well, which was incredible. And yeah, we got, dominated by Ellsbury, set back scored a hat-trick and knocked this out, so that was always always fun. Um, but at that point, I think mean, I realised I need to learn actually how to play to my strengths, because I was always, you know, I grew up watching original Ronaldo, like uh, people in Zaghi, those kind of players who were very sort of fox-in-the-box, physical. Techie. Yeah, yeah. So I was trying to do a bit of everything rather than use my six-foot-two sort of 95 kilogram frame to my advantage instead of trying to be this technical player that I'm just not. Yeah. Um, so managers have a, a certain preference for you and I found that more at Woodley. Like mm -hmm. they played to my strengths and helped me understand that, yeah, I'm 6'2", I'm a powerhouse, I should be brilliant defenders, not trying to do, do messy all the time, do you know what I mean? So yeah. I think that's why I kept bouncing back to Woodley. Like I'd be there for a, a season then get frustrated and move to another club. Then they, Woody would get a new manager. Um, I remember Louis Tallett, who I think was, I can't remember where he came from um, before he went over to Woodley, but he was, he was physical. Like he, basically the Sam Allardyce at this level. Right, got Like it. he was, um, he was just flat track Woody, 4-4-2, we're not gonna let teams beat us. And yeah. that plays in my strengths, because I was, I was up and down, I was pressing, I was bullying defenders. Um, and that's why I had my best season in Hellenic. I think I got like, nine or 10 goals that year in the league. Uh, I think I got another five or six in the cup, but it was more my all round game was just yeah. on point. So, and it's the same with managers. Managers move left, right, and center. They'll take players with them. Yes. Uh, you've seen it with Marlo. Yeah. Um, Woody even a few years ago when um, uh, Mike Herbert went over there, he took a bunch of players from uh, from Sandhurst, or he, I think he went from Sandhurst to Woodley or Woody to Sandhurst, but he, he had his, his people with him and again another really good managers so I always kind of followed the managers because if they understood me as a player they probably get the best
best out of me. So it's um yeah, it's always tough at that level to stick to one club unless you've got something or a relationship with a type of manager who knows yeah. you and you know them. It's so tough for those clubs as well to even survive during mm. during that sort of period because money is tight, especially during this this sort of time. So many clubs have sort of gone by the wayside. Mm. Um, but it's really tough for them to survive. So a lot of times when you had clubs shutting down, players are sort of dispersed and like you said, if the manager goes there or maybe if one of your teammates go there, mm. then it attracts a lot of them to the same team. And I think that's why so many people moved at that level. Mm. Um, like for example, Reading Town, I think just about <laughs> everyone played for Reading Town. And then you'd, you'd go to your next club and there'll be five, 10 players from Reading Town who've, who've moved there. Like a lot of them are at Eversley now, I think. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they all sort of kick about, don't they? And it's, it's tough at that level. So did you never think of getting back into basketball after that? I keep flirting with the idea because um, all my uni boys, they're, st- they're still playing. Uh, I think there's about five or six playing for a team, um, North Hearts Knights. Um, and because they're all quite scattered around Hertfordshire and Buckinghamshire, like there's, uh, there's my boy Jason and James Pratt and they're all sort of Milky's Keynes Bedford way then you've got Joel who's um, London so Hearts is like quite a middle ground for us right. um, so they're also playing together which is great and I'm just thinking I still have stuff I want to do in football before mm-hmm. I get back into basketball because I really enjoy it every time I see him playing or I see someone on the TV I'm like I just want to get back into playing it yeah. but basketball was one of those weird sports for me like with football I just enjoyed playing like it's for the love of the game mm-hmm. basketball was I was good at it so therefore I should play it. But I didn't really enjoy it. Like some of the like the training sessions, the coaching sessions, the camps we went to, having to learn all the plays. Like I remember in, I think it was 2001, we had a training, no it was 2000, because we were going to the Millennium Games in Southampton. And the coach gives us this big, big playbook. Like we've got, we've got to learn this before, before the summer hits. I was just looking at it thinking, I don't want to learn this. I just want to go and play basketball. I don't, I don't I need to learn this nonsense. And, um, <laughs> He obviously realised I hadn't read any of it, so he, on the uh, opening night, he called me into his room and he gave me the dresser down of a lifetime. And it was at that moment I realised if I'm not going to take this seriously, I might as well just stop playing. So um, now at 33, do I want to get back into it? I'd say yes. I've probably got one, one season where I just want to go all the way in and um, just have fun, play with the Lakers again. Come um, out of retirement. Come out of retirement. Dust, dust off the old kicks. Yeah. And um, yeah, just play with the boys again. I think that's. I've got one more year, but when I'm ready to do it, I'll do it. Do you think you enjoy it more if you're with friends? Hundred percent. I think basketball is one of those sports. It's it's when you look at like let's say rugby, for example, in this country, we, you went to uni. You know what the rugby teams are like. Oh, right? Mental. Yeah, you played football at uni. You know what those guys are like. Yeah. Basketball at university is a very very different community. Like we we have fun. We're very sort of rowdy. But I think there's a collective respect for not everybody plays this game. Mm-hmm. Not everybody has the ability to play this game, and especially the level that we were playing at university. Um, you had to be a certain type of way, and it was a family. You know, there's you know, it's ten guys. Like with football clubs, you know, you're talking 15, 20, 25, 30. If they've got second teams and third teams and reserves and all that, every, it's just a big old community. Whereas with basketball, yeah, it's you and your 10 guys, mm. like you, you fight for each other. Um, and that's when, football's never seen that aggressive side of me. Like I'm, I'm a physical player, but you, you've never seen that aggressiveness that you would see from me on the basketball court. 
because we fight for each other. I've fought with my boys plenty of times on the court, yeah. but it's because we love each other. And I think that's what you get from basketball, that togetherness, that genuine family attitude. Like these guys will be the best men at my weddings. We will all be there for each other. We're a family. I don't know how else to put it. And I think that's what makes yeah. it such a special sport, especially in this country. So, yeah. I mean, my insight into basketball is pretty pretty limited other than watching, you know, like highlights to the NBA and the Jordan documentary. Mm, mm. But from watching the Jordan de- documentary, my insight into it is you have five, no, six. On court. Five on, on, court, court. Five on court, but it, you, you like intertwined constantly. Mm. Whereas if you look at other team sports, um, especially you've mentioned football and rugby, you're very rarely that close and the person next to you's responsibility mm. is there for it's the same like attack and defence like mm. that you rely on them regardless of, mm. of the play and I think that's for me that's why they're so passionate about it and you watch the Jordan documentary and obviously he's a different level he's inhuman in mm. the way he, he does things but um, you just see that passion and if the person next to you is not not responsible there seems to be this massive uproar mm. and I think you can get dropped quite easily from that sort of thing as well whereas in football you know Defenders and strikers, they don't spend much time together, really. So it's a different gravy in that sense. Okay, so I'm from football. You move uh, to Reading, obviously we worked in the same gym Mm -hmm. together. Um, We did fitness sales, Mm -hmm. but you also got your personal training qualifications, right? I did, so I got my fitness instructor. I never went for my my level three because at that point doing membership sales was just making us like silly money. So I'm like, Mm -hmm. well, if I had the, the, the mentality that I have now, I would have done my level three at the same time because you know you can you can never have too many strings to your bow. But <laughs> everyone matures at a different rate, and me at twenty five, I'm thinking uh, I don't need another qualification. Let me just make all the money I can from sales. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I got my level two and took a few classes in there. Did some some work with some clients, which was always interesting. Um, but I remember with a few clients just thinking you're not taking this seriously. Now, I can train you as much as you want, but if you're not gonna take this seriously, then I've got no interest in this. Like, you're not taking your, your diet seriously, you're not taking your nutrition serious, you know, you're not taking this training seriously. You're, I, it, it frustrated me, and that's what, one of the reasons why at the time, I didn't take it any further than um, I probably could have or should have. Do you think you need a certain temperament to be a personal trainer? Yeah, I think you need to be um, I think you need to be a people person first and foremost, which is what I am, and that's why I, I've always kind of gravitated to it. But you need to be patient, you need to have perseverance. Um, and I have, I think I've got persistence, I wouldn't say I've got perseverance. Right. <laughs> um, I, can, I can push and I can drive myself, but getting that out of somebody else is, very, is a very different thing. And again, me at 25, 26, I didn't have that. I was more of a do it, oh, well, you can't do it, or why can't you do it sort of thing. Whereas me at 33, which is why I've explored again and looking to get into it, is I'm a motivator. I can I can support you. You've got to take the step. You've got to be the one to take the action. But I can get the best out of it. I can light that fire under somebody. Um, so make them believe in themselves. I think that's the biggest thing because a lot of this is it's, it's mental. Um, and I think that's the kind of attitude, mindset. You can't go into fitness, in, into the fitness industry, 
and expect just to make money just because you've seen a couple of YouTube videos. Like this is a skill, this is an art. You need the knowledge. Everybody right now thinks they're a personal trainer, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Everybody thinks they've got that. Um, you know, watched a few YouTube videos, they've watched bro signs, they've seen all that stuff and think now, yeah, now I know fitness. Um, but the guys who take that seriously, the ones who have either been through uni or been through the qualifications, but not just that they supplement their knowledge, they're always researching, always looking for different ways to find that edge. And I'll, I'll put it out there, the ones who are science-based, I think we talked about it earlier, yeah. those science-based trainers are the ones who, they're the ones who get the best out of this because they're, they're holding their craft. They're looking to find that edge. They're looking to, you know, find a way to make their clients better. Yes, they want to be successful. Yes, they want to make their money for themselves, but they're doing it for the love of the job. Mm -hmm. They're doing it because they want to see people better themselves. I think for personal trainers, it's quite it's quite easy to get to that level three. Like when we worked in the gym, we had those courses that were sort of six weeks and mm -hmm. all of a sudden you can start teaching people. Mm. Um, and a lot of people just sit on that level three course mm. and um, we'll be like, oh, I'm good to go now, other than the odd compulsory course that they may have to go on. Mm. And, um, and those people are allowed to give advice mm -hmm. and they're allowed to train people. Whereas the best personal trainers I've ever worked with or I've ever known will go beyond, like you said, whether it be in their spare time and they're reading articles mm. or like they've got the correct YouTube or whatever else that they follow, mm. um, or pushing themselves, doing these extra courses um, in, their, in their spare time. They're the best ones I've ever worked with. Mm. And it is dangerous that just about anyone within six weeks, if you've got, I don't know how much it is, 1,500 pounds, something like that, if mm. you've got that sort of money, um, and you've got six weeks spare, you can be a personal trainer, you can be out there giving people advice. Well, that's it. I remember looking on, on Instagram during the lockdown and the amount of people that I've suddenly seen who are now personal trainers, just they were bored during lockdown, I want to get my, my qualification. I'm like, wait a second, like, just like that? Mm -hmm. I mean, I respect you for going for it, but what else are you doing on top of that? What else, what's going to set you apart? Because this is the other thing. Everybody has level three. I mean, I don't have level three. No. I told you not to, but you know, a lot of people have these level three qualifications. What are you doing that's gonna separate you? Yeah. Where's your nutrition? Where's your strength and conditioning? You know, where, what are you doing, like you said, that's gonna set you apart yeah. from these other trainers? And if it is just YouTube that you're following, fine, but challenge it. Yeah. Like you might see something on um, Jeff Nippard or Jeremy Effier or um, Steph Buttermore and think, that's interesting. Let me go and read up on that research. Let me go and read up on that thesis yeah. and that study. Let me go and understand it for myself. Or let me challenge what they've said. Do you know what I mean? It's not just taking what you've seen as gospel. Otherwise, everyone would still be doing calisthenics from like 1950s. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, I th you mentioned Jeff Nippard. He's really good at that in the sense that if he says anything, he was like, yeah, this is actually in this article here, this article. Like he's got two or three studies every single time he, mm. he makes a claim. And um, that's... Well, that's what he's based off, really. That's kind of his thing. Mm. Um, but do you think it's on the PTs to to learn more? Like, they, they need to be doing it, or do you think there should be something governing it to, to help push them on? It's a good question. Um, I personally think it's down to the PTs. If there was, a, if there was something governing... Um, regulating the personal training industry or the fitness industry as a whole then great but i still think it would come down to the trainers themselves because 
you're you're consulting people. You know, you you look at doctors. Yes, they're they're obviously regulated and governed and whatnot, but the best doctors are still the ones that are out there studying and learning more. Um, and I think PT should be the exact same way. There's no point in just getting that qualification and leaning on that forever. How do you grow? How do you challenge yourself? How do you become a better sort of trainer if you're not out there learning more, understanding more? The fitness industry is always evolving. You know, I went to university in 2005 and some of the things I learned there don't even play anymore. It just mm. it doesn't make sense. Um, I look at somebody like Athlete X, that channel on mm. YouTube, half of the stuff that he talks about on there is, is outdated yeah um, but people will still follow him because he has 500,000 yeah, yeah. uh, followers and a six pack yeah and that's half the battle just because you look a certain way and I understand that you you want to you want to look a certain way in order to portray that you understand um, your industry but what's the difference between athlete next guy and his six pack and me going to the fancy dress store, get a police uniform and go and arrest somebody. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, exactly. Just because yeah. you look a certain way, just because you have a certain qualification does not mean that you have the expertise and the knowledge, the genuine knowledge, to advise somebody. So There's definitely a moral responsibility, I think, for personal trainers and coaches, whatever it is, even you know a tennis coach or a football coach, there is a responsibility to go over and beyond what is sort of just the mandatory mm. you know there's, there's a set amount like we said this, this level three before you can start coaching people one-on-one but I think there just has to be something beyond it and I think it stems from even the government in the sense that there's not enough onus or there's not enough d- desire to focus on exercise mm. it's very much an afterthought you think a lot of people think that you know diet's the number one if you sort your diet but exercise leads to way more um, there's sorry there's more benefits from exercise than just your your physical you know even your aesthetics but your physical health there's there's more to it your mental health um, it teaches routine there's, there's so much to it and if you're putting people in charge who don't have the correct qualifications or even the correct mindset or mm. the will to, to do it properly I think it can be quite a dangerous space I think that's the biggest thing that you said about the mindset, you said about uh, building habits. That's a huge thing. Um, and what we've seen, especially during all these lockdowns, is the effect that it has on mental health. So you've got the government on one hand saying, we're, we're shutting your gyms down. And then halfway through the first lockdown, it's like, well, actually, we're worried about everybody's mental health, so maybe we need some fitness because that's going to help people uh, that are maybe struggling just have another outlet. But you're going to run outside for half an hour. And then now we're, in the, we're coming out of the second lockdown and back into the tier system. It's like, right, gyms are staying open forever, no matter what. It's like, which message do you want to run with? Like, mm. what? And if you are going to run with this message that, that fitness is important to people's well-being and mental health, well, how do you do more? Because once this yeah. is finished, once the pandemic is done, are you going to really support the fitness industry in a way that you keep saying it's important to? Yeah. Or are we going to go back to, you know, eat out to help out with all these unhealthy meals and whatnot? How are you gonna? How are you really trying to help people's physical well-being, their mental well-being outside of lip service? Yeah, I think it is so hard to so hard to please everybody, and I wouldn't want the government's job. That's for sure. Mm. But 
like you said, there's zero clarity when it comes to these things. Mm. And fitness is something I feel has been neglected in the UK, not necessarily worldwide, um, but has been neglected from sort of a government standpoint. And a lot of people d- just don't, they see it as a luxury. We, we, yeah. we had it a lot when we sold memberships. A lot of people were like, uh, I can't really afford that because I've got to do this, this and this. And, mm. you know, we used to, uh, I remember the forms we used to have when we signed people up, like, do you drink? Like, mm. how many times do you drink? What are your hobbies? Like, what do you do outside of this? And when you break down a lot of gym memberships, even the most expensive ones, if you cut, you know, the top ones are what, 100? If you cut 100 pounds out a month of your budget, a lot of that stuff will be unnecessary anyway. Mm and people need to learn to start valuing their health mm. and uh, I think that starts from the ground and it, do you know what it is I think more than that again it's a word you use it's a word I like to talk about is mindset and I think the biggest challenge for people when they're starting fitness you're going to see it in what two weeks when the new year hits uh, new year new me I'm going to go to the gym five times a week but you're asking yourself to do something that you've never done before you're asking yourself, as a 40-year-old mother, uh, a 75-year-old grandfather, or an 18-year-old kid who may be overweight, or a 21-year-old who has, is in good shape, has never been to the gym. You're asking yourself to do something that is to go to the gym five times a week that you've never done before. And then you're gonna beat yourself up when you don't go for that one week where you may be able to go three times a week. Don't set yourself such high expectations and high targets it's good to have process goals and it's good to have outcome goals of i want to look a certain way i want to be 15 percent body fat or i want to look like the rock um or i want to i don't know what the, the female equivalent is or yeah you know what i mean but i read this book during the lockdown called kaizen and it's a japanese uh philosophy of small habits daily build consistency and that's where it should start Instead of saying, I'm going to go to, when January 1st comes, I'm going to go to the gym five times a week. Commit to, once this week, I'm going to go to the gym. Or once this week, I'm going to do a half an hour workout. Set yourself a reasonable ex, uh, a target that you can genuinely achieve. And then build up from there. So it might be, do you know what, I'm going to go to the gym once this week. And then you keep building that habit. So no matter what happens, I'm going to go every Monday. And then it's like, okay, I've done that. I'm going to start going twice now. I'm going to keep doing that. Keep doing that. Okay, now this is this is now I'm building that habit. This is consistency now. So now I'm going to go to three times a week because I'm used to this. I know how to do two times a week. I'm now going to do three. I'm going to do Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And if you find yourself struggling, you bring it down. Because what happens is you'll go from zero to five times a week. Can't do five times a week. So now I'll stop. In then February, it goes straight back March. to zero. Yeah. Exactly. Rather than, well, I know I can do two times a week. Three times a week is a little bit hard. So let me just dial it down. So I'm still going to the gym. I'm still maintaining that habit. But I'm just doing it at a pace that works for me. Yeah. And with that comes that understanding that I'm not going to get the results as fast as everybody else, but you're still making those incremental percentage gains rather than just an outright stop. And it's the same with nutrition. It's one thing to say, oh, I had a bad day today and I've had McDonald's or I've had Burger King or whatever it might be, so therefore my whole fitness routine, my nutrition plan is out the window. It's not, though, is it? It's one day you've had one fall off that doesn't affect everything. If if you have ten thousand pounds in your bank account and you've been spending, I don't know, twenty pounds a day for a month, and all of a sudden you have one big blowout and you spend, oh my goodness, I spent three hundred pounds a day. You don't suddenly throw all your money in the bin, do you? You dial it back. 
right? I no longer want money. <laughs> <laughs> but that's my point. It's the same thing. You treat your, this is where I do it for myself, treat your calories, treat your exercise the same way you treat your money. Just because you've had a bad day doesn't mean that everything that now needs to go to pot. You just reevaluate, right, how do I get back on track? Mm -hmm. I think that's the hardest thing for anybody, just being able to not beat yourself up, not defeat yourself and just reevaluate. I'm a very reflective person. I think not many people, like, they see the loud, extrovert me. I'm, I'm very, I like to sit back and kind of understand myself and my headspace and I do this quite a lot. Every three months I look at my program, right, was I consistent, yes or no? Was I consistent with my nutrition? Yes, great, let's do more of that or no, right, where did I fall off? And just tweak it so I can get back on track to a level that works for me. I think that's the most important thing, is consistency, is habits. Reviewing um, as well. You, yeah. me you mentioned that quite a lot, and it was actually mentioned in, uh, in a previous podcast about mm. how important reviewing is. And I think, not to generalise, but my, me, myself, I don't review just mm. about anything. Um, I do now, but mm. I did it for a long, long period of time. And I think it's tough to see how well you're doing without reviewing something. Mm. Um, do you think a lot of people want to hear the just, just do it bit by bit at first? Or do you think we live in a society where people like it's, it's zero to or 100, there is no in between? No, I think you're absolutely right. I think this, this generation now is very instant gratification. Everything needs to be now. You know, we live in a world of Instagram likes and quick news stories and what you see is ah they suddenly turn their life around and they, they've got all this money and they've got all these cars but you never hear the backstory you just hear that they've got it mm -hmm. you know you you never heard of pop smoke and then all of a sudden you've heard of pop smoke and he's everywhere mm -hmm. you've never heard of I don't know I don't, I'm not even trying to pretend like I know some of these influencers but these guys just pop out of nowhere yeah. and everybody now wants everything yesterday mm -hmm. but the hardest part is turning around to someone and saying, you kind of need to work for this. You know, yeah. It's not just going to be given to you. So um, going back to what you said before about reviewing, I think that's why this is so important because you can't just go from zero to 100. You need to know the journey. And I think this is the most important part. The result is the end game. Yes, it's, it's what you're working for, but trust in the process, take pride in your process. And this is why Recently, I say recently, the last sort of six months, I'd say, I've changed my goals from I want to be 15% body fat and weigh 100 kilogram and have 80, 80 kilogram of that be pure muscle. My goal is consistent five times, five times a week of training and be in a 500 calorie deficit for the next three months and I'll review it then. Yeah. Because that's in your control. Mm -hmm. You can't control what your body's going to look like as much as you train or how well you eat, you don't control the cells in your body. You no. do, but you don't. You know, you control what goes in, you control the outputs, the effort that you put in, uh, you control the food. Mm -hmm. So you control that. The results may well come, they may not come, you might need to tweak something, but if you can be consistent about what you're doing, that's all that matters. And then take the advice from someone who's an expert. Read up on some, some articles, some studies that are gonna give you a bit more insight. But just focusing on the end result, I think is where a lot of people fall down because they forget that. There's a picture I remember I seen um, where a guy, he's on, this, he's on this path towards his goal 
and he turns away right before he's at the door to wherever he dreamed of just because I don't know what's, I can't be worried anymore, I'm tired, yeah. this is hard, I don't want to do this anymore, I'm not seeing the results. So he walks away not knowing that the thing that he was after is literally a couple more steps away. Yeah, it's like uh, there's a, another picture really similar to that where there's two guys digging mm. and one guy stops and turns away because it's too much effort and the other guy next dig is literally hitting a diamond or mm. gold or something mm. along those lines. Um, yeah, so I think being persistent and just pushing through when times get a little bit tough is definitely, definitely key. Mm. Okay, so this is a good time to take a bit of a, a side step. We always do this segment in the podcast where guests bring along some snacks. It's called mm. Snack Corner. What have you brought along for us today? <laughs> so, this has got me through uh, the last two, three months. It's something that I found quite recently. I'm really, really happy I found it. Rice cakes with anything. Okay. And I'm going to tell you why. So, I'm the kind of guy who, I like my sweet stuff, but in a very particular way. So, I like donuts, like Krispy Kremes, um, I like Nutella, but what I used to do with my Nutella was just pack it into the sandwich, so you go order, and you can't just have one slice of bread with your Nutella, you're going to have two, and then you're going to have, oh, I need now another sandwich, I'll have another two. So, what I've started doing recently is just spreading that Nutella on those rice cakes, mm -hmm. and you get, I think it's like 15 grams on there, and it's like 100 uh, calories, plus the uh, rice cake is only 16 calories. So I allow myself uh, 270 calories for snacks. So on a good day, I'm gonna get two of those. On a bad day, I'm gonna still get two of those. <laughs> oh. um, or if I'm trying to be relatively good with it, um, Nutella, not Nutella, sorry, rice cakes and peanut butter. Yeah, but this is the thing, you know, everyone talks about, you know, the, that Meridian brand, the whole peanut thing. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't like all of that. Like, my, my protein do a version as well. I, I don't like, I like my sugary, like, like sun cap, like, yeah. yeah, skippy, all that, all those proper, like, high sugar uh, peanut butters. They're great for me, but it allows me to kind of indulge in that sweet tooth a bit. Because I track my macros on my fitness pal all of the time. I now know how much I can have because I've had eggs for breakfast and I've had eggs for lunch and I've still got some leftover from from what I didn't use for my breakfast and lunch. Fine. Um, so with me and Snack Corner, is if it fits my macros, that's that's the way I treat it. Yeah. Um, was it a couple of days ago? I went to I think it was Morrison's and they had uh, these Santa Belly Krispy Kremes, <laughs> where it's just filled with cream and the topping is like a like a strawberry, strawberry, strawberry glaze on top. Ah, oh, it was heaven. 300 calories right there. But I learned it. Yeah. Because I planned for it. So, yeah, that's, that'll be my indulgence. But more often than not, every day, five days a week, I will have rice cakes and some kind of topping, even cheese. Like, if I want to make nachos, I'll use rice cakes. Mm -hmm. So, get some, get some uh, rice cakes, chop them into quarters, sprinkle some, some cheese on there. Yeah. Throw them in the microwave with the sour cream, the, the low fat one, low sugar. And even the pot is like a hundred calories to sound silly like that. Right. I, I just knock that back. That's that's me right there. So you talk about tracking, do you track everything or is it like to, you track quite regularly? I track to the best of my ability. So no mm -hmm. matter what and I think that's the most important thing is I think again with with people's diets, you hear the word diet and think, oh I can't have I can't have McDonald's or I can't have KFC or I can't have Nando's or I can't have 
you know, all these, these wonderful things that you want. I, I disagree wholeheartedly because during that first lockdown, I was still eating relatively well, but I was tracking everything. So if I felt like, do you know what? It's Friday, I fancy a pizza, I'm gonna have a pizza. Mm -hmm. Because I've tracked and I've earned it. And it's about that weekly average. Like yes, my daily calories for that day are gonna be quite high. Mm -hmm. um, but my weekly average, I'm still at that 500 calorie deficit. So I track as much as possible. And it's got to the point now where if I look at, um, when was it? I think I went to Nando's on Monday. I planned to have quite a big Nando's. So I went there and had my chicken thighs and my creamy mash and my fiber wimmy sticks and my broccoli and my rice. Um, but throughout the day I'd had quite a lot. I don't really have breakfast that much anyway. So I'll have a protein shake. And then I had a protein shake and some uh, tuna pasta for lunch which then allowed me my 1,500 calories for Nando's. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the key. Track, eat whatever you want, but just track it. Yeah. And if you notice that, okay, my protein isn't high enough for this week, or my carbs are way too high, you make those tweaks. But the hardest thing for people is to assume that you can't have the things that you want. I sat down with, um, so my bicycle team, my uni bicycle team, we've got a, a WhatsApp group just for the fitness guys. And for two weeks, I'd been on a proper tear. Like I'd been eating well, my nutrition was on point. I think I dropped about a kilogram of fat and gained two kilograms of muscle over those couple of weeks. I was like, I, I deserve something here. So I went through the, the Domino's website and checked out all of the nutrition for every single pizza on there to try and work out which of these stuffed crusts can I have today. <laughs> I ended up ordering the, the medium, uh, Tandoori hot with a soft crust, and it worked out over the. If I had that just for the whole day, fourteen maybe fifteen hundred calories, and that was fine because my daily my daily intake at that point because I'm trying to cut at the minute was nineteen hundred. So yes, it meant just have breakfast, and then I have to like split the pizza in two. So I have half the pizza for lunch, then the other half for dinner. I did not do that. I ate six slices at lunch, but that's not that's beside the point. But this is my point. As long as you track, I personally believe you can eat pretty much whatever you want but again it's, it's so important that you get the details right get the get the proteins right get the fats right get the carbs right for your body the results will be there for you you can't do pizza every day but don't skim out the things that you want sure cool well thank you for that that was a wicked snap corner um so moving on you've kind of left the fitness industry over the past year or two mm. is fitness now purely just a hobby for you would you say or what's life looking like now fitness is a passion for me fitness will always be there no matter what my my goal in life is to uh, live a healthy lifestyle an active lifestyle in whatever form that will take whether that's in the gym whether that's playing football or any other kind of sport whether that's going for walks with family whatever it might be there would always be some kind of fitness in my life um so it's impossible to get away from that for me. And there's, there's, that's, that's the, I don't know how else to put it. Um, I haven't worked in the gym for, what was it, seven years. Um, going to uni, studying that for three, four years, playing sport for as long as I have. You take away fitness from me, you take away sport from me, and it's something that actually happened during the lockdown. Once you take fitness away from me, I tried to run 
my body's not built to run. My body's built to sprint or lift things. Yeah. My body's not built for these five Ks, these ten Ks, man. No. Uh, all my friends are doing these five K runs. I try to run a K and my my Achilles hurts. You know what I mean? Yeah. I remember those five K challenges in lockdown. I was just like, oh, please, no one nominate me. But yeah. you knew it was coming around. You know it, hundred percent. And this was the thing. So when I realised that, yeah, I can't even go to the gym. I I struggled like mentally. It really, really hit me. Um, during the second lockdown again, when um, when we got told we couldn't go to the gym, I just signed up for a new gym that day. So I'm like, all right, well, I've just signed up for this gym and I now can't go for the next month. And mental health-wise, yeah, it hit me hard. And I think that's when I realized that as much as I don't enjoy going to the gym, I enjoy the habits. Mm-hmm. I enjoy knowing that I'm working on myself physically. I'm, I know I'm looking to be healthy. Um, so fitness will always be a part of my life, no matter what happens, and whether I'm 50, 60. When I have children, I want my children to live a healthy lifestyle. I want them to be into their fitness. Um, and again, whatever form that will take, I'm not gonna be one of those parents that's like, uh, you know, trying to get my kids to live weights at six years old, but they will know the value of looking after their body from an early age. Um, my dad tried to do it with me when I hit, like I said, 12, 13 years old, and that's what I want to do when that time comes for me. So not wait, FYI. No. No. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's I think it's quite important. Like it's quite we're quite lucky that we're growing up in this age and we can maybe pass it on to the next generation or our kids or anything like that. Mm. Because they didn't have this when we were growing up. We've mm. had to learn this at, at this sort of age. Whereas if you can implement these sort of ideas and the knowledge onto the younger generation as they're coming through, mm. then it's, it's only going to be a positive. Again, that's something I think they need to put into schools. Um, because at schools, it was like, I was disappointed I wasn't playing football. Mm. Like, that was, that was the only thing I knew about PE. Mm. And until you go into, you know, your GCSEs and your A-levels, if you take up PE or physical education mm-hmm. for an actual subject rather than a compulsory moment then you, you get more of an insight then but other than that PE was it was basically a free period basically yeah and I think that's that you're, you're putting the nail on the head there it was treated like an extracurricular thing rather than something that you genuinely need to learn about you know your body you've only got one of them and time waits for no man it waits for no woman you can earn as much money as you want to but if you ain't taking care of your your physical you're gonna be in trouble, and that's the biggest worry for for anybody. You know, you can own, and it's what I said before. You only control your output. You only control your element of um, what you do. And if you're just gonna sit here and eat your your takeaway every day, and drink your beer every single day, and then complain that I've put on weight, well, whose responsibility is that? Mm-hmm. And that comes from knowledge. And like I said, my parents from a young age taught me about eating well. I kind of came from a Ghanaian household, so we didn't eat that well. <laughs> <laughs> but we ate well, like there was a good balance. My mum played netball, my dad was into his fitness, and they always took me to football, they always took me to basketball. Um, we knew from a young age that fitness was important, but they didn't have the knowledge that I do. So to have that kind of mentality already built in, plus the knowledge that I have now, you have, it's gonna set us in, 
set us up in a good way when we do have kids to kind of impart that knowledge again very early doors and say this is this isn't just something you do for fun this is this is your life this yeah. is your one body that you have you take care of that body yeah and i think to a lot of people that sounds crazy mm. but what what we both of us have discussed is this doesn't have to be like some weird cult where it's do or die it's mm. you can adjust your life like you, you spoke about the Domino's pizza like mm. if you track something you can then see how much you eat like you had a Krispy Kreme a few days before like you said people put such negative connotations on the word diet that mm. you, you think oh, I can only eat plain chicken rice broccoli if I want to be a bodybuilder or I can only do these like meal replacement shakes if I want to have a bikini body you know started on that that's yeah. the thing, right? So that, even that word right there, diet, you said it right there, it's got negative connotations. Well, if you just eat your KFC for breakfast, or your McDonald's breakfast, then go KFC for lunch, and then go Pizza Hut for dinner, that's a diet. Mm. You are on a diet. It's a bad it's a diet. It's a bad one, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a bad diet, but it's still a diet. No matter what, the minute you put food on, in your body, that is your diet. Yeah. What it's about, like you said, it's about making those tweaks, making those changes, so that you're not just having rice and broccoli and chicken every day, you're allowing yourself the things that you want. That's why people fall off their diets. We said it before. You fall mm. off your diet not because of the diet itself or the nutrition plan itself. You fall off because you're not having the things you enjoy. You're not having the things that you want. You can be on keto or the vegan diet or intermittent fasting. You can do all of those things, but if you're not eating what you enjoy, you're not gonna stick with it. No. Just like a job. You could earn 10 million, 10,000 pounds a week playing football or be a CEO of a company. But if you don't enjoy what you're doing, you are going to end up, you're not going to put your all into it. Yeah. You're not going to put your everything into making sure that that is a success. Yeah. With that, um, you, you mentioned footballers. I always remember Asura Koto at yep. Tottenham and he yep. said, I don't like playing football. Mm. And as soon as that kind of came out, I was, I was like, what, how can you be so ungrateful? Mm. Like I, because I love football. Mm. But then you look at him and I don't know where he is now, I don't know who he's playing for, but he just fell off after Tottenham, mm. in, in my opinion. He may have had a great career elsewhere, but, mm. um, but and that was just because he didn't love it. It was never going to last. You, you were going to get to a point where you were like, I'm fed up with this, I can't put in the hours. Because mm. footballers do have to dedicate themselves. Yes, they're paid an awful lot, but they mm. do have to put a lot in if you want to be at that top level for so long. You look at people like Ibrahimovic or James Milner, you know, they have to dedicate themselves to, mm. to still be where they are. And this is why I like liking this to the fitness thing because I don't enjoy going to the gym at all. I'd rather stay at home and you know watch anime. Yeah. You know? But what I do like is my body. What I do like is my health. What I do like is being able to move around without making noise. I don't want to get out of a chair and have to make this sound. Do you know what I mean? I hate that. So if I I, I don't like the gym but I like being able to move so that's my motivation. I want to be able to not have to stress about my bones hurt today, my hip hurts, my back hurts. I need to take control of my body, look after myself. That's what's going to drive me. It's not the going to the gym. I, I reckon if you ask half the people in this, this gym today, do you enjoy going to the gym? Half of them will say yes, of course they do. That's why they're, they're here in this, this shoot today. The other half, they do it because it's a means to an end. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what people need to remember. You don't need to enjoy fitness, but you need to enjoy your body. Or complain when it hits 80 and it's like, yep, yeah, my, my bones don't work no more. My muscles don't work no more. Mm -hmm. Omar, thank you so much for coming on today. Um, it's been a real pleasure having you on. 
take this opportunity. Do you want to sort of plug anything? Uh, see where people can get at you. Uh, yeah, you can find me on my Instagram. There's nothing really interesting there. <laughs> I'm on King Kofi. Um, but more importantly, make sure you get your new Explore gear. It's, um, you're going to see some great pictures of me later on. I'm telling you that now. Um, but yeah, just if you need to talk about anything, and I, I genuinely mean this on my Instagram, my King Kofi Instagram page. If you need to chat about anything, life, mental health, like I've had a very, very stressful year, a very hard year. Um, and I know how hard it's been on everybody. So just being able to have another voice to speak to, you come find me and I'll happily have a conversation, no doubt. Well, Omar being the number one hype man has already sort of covered it, but as always, <laughs> there is there is no sponsors on this podcast. So if you are looking to support, then head over to explorelifestyle.co.uk, see if you can get something there that you like. Otherwise, have a, uh, have a good day and we'll see you next time.